0: Hi, I'm Emmy. And I'm Mago. And this is the Five Things Podcast. Hi, Mago. Hey Ebo.
1: Mago, you got your haircut. Oh. Oh my gosh. I got my hair cut yesterday and it feels so fabulous. I cut it pretty short. It had gotten pretty long. It's so cute. I love it. Thank you. It had gotten pretty long, you know, during that period of time where we couldn't get our hair cut.
0: So I was debating
1: yeah. of just, like, I'm like, I did so much unintentional work on growing this out. <laughs> so I considered uh, keeping it long. But then the second I sat in that chair, I was like, chop it. Oh, how funny. You didn't, hadn't even decided before you got there? I mean, I felt pretty confident, but I was like, yeah. she could have talked to me into keeping it long.
0: I thought, but no. <laughs> yeah, my I was ready to chop mine. And then um, my stylist was finally willing to come and do like a, session at my house. That's that so was a awesome. few weeks ago. So she did, but she talked to me into keeping it longer than I had planned, but it, it, I did, I cut like three inches off, but.
1: Well, we'll see next time. Maybe I'll chop it. Yeah.
0: I'm sure I'll just continue to go shorter and shorter now. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I my hair short. Nathan is in mourning about it though. He loves my long hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pete mm-hmm. last night, I was like, is it too short?
1: And he was like, well, it's not obnoxiously short. Uh- <laughs> That's what he said. And I was like, Hmm. I have no, I have no response to that. Hmm. Anyway,
0: yeah, I will. I mean, I had my hair like shoulder length or less, mostly less, for ninety five percent of our marriage, and right? So when he loves it so long, or are you just like, um, yeah, hey. I know. I'm like, well, you could have told me this fifteen years ago. <gasps> oh, I love it. My friend Robin just chopped thirteen inches off her hair. Looks so and good. I, we were saying how she looks so young again because she looks like she, that's how her hair was when we were in high school. But I think for some people the short hair makes you look younger, and some people it makes you look older. Because I, I actually agree. think I do look a little younger with my longer hair. I think you do too. What about me? I think you look younger because I think it makes you like it's like a sassy, cute cut. You know what I mean? And since you're short, I don't know. I feel like the short hair works better for you. Well, I don't know. so I have
1: a friend. I have a friend who's a hairstylist, and she told me that short people, petite people like myself should never have their, well, not never, but it's best if your hair is above your collarbone.
0: Yeah, I agree with that because it makes you look more proportional, yeah. I think. So yeah. you're all welcome for this you know, discussion <laughs> I know. of Mego's hair. <laughs> Sorry, we haven't seen <laughs> right, each other anyways, in a while. This is not what we're talking about today. We're not going to talk about hair all day. We probably could do a podcast on hair though. <laughs> um, but well, today I just gave my, my one tap- tip. Okay. (laughs) So you're done. Yeah, I'm done. Um, Today, we're going to talk about five of the best documentaries that you've never heard of. Uh. And we've told you before how much we love documentaries and how, like, originally that was our plan was for our podcast to be all about documentaries. But today, we're going to throw out some of our very faves for you that you probably haven't heard of. And then hopefully you'll watch them and love them. And then maybe... We'll come back and do like more extended breakdowns of these episodes. Yes, please watch these and please talk to us about them. That's all we want. That's all we want. We just want people to talk to us all the time. Um, Okay, so are you going to do our first one for us? I would love to. And this is actually, if I had to pick
1: a favorite among these five, this would by far be my favorite. Number one, obscure documentary is Grizzly Man. Oh my gosh. Okay. About maybe six months ago, I had a complete obsession with this documentary. Like, remember I came to your house and made you and Nathan yeah. watch it. Because we like, hadn't a,
0: seen it, right? We hadn't we, seen it. didn't
1: watch it for, yeah. yeah. No, a lot of people haven't seen it. And um, I was making everyone watch it <laughs> with me. So I've <laughs> seen it so many times. Oh. It is like, you watch this documentary and and you're like, this has to be fake. This has to be a spoof. It feels yeah. like a
0: Christopher Guest
1: movie. Totally.
0: I mean, I really think they should make a Christopher Guest movie about
1: this. But they don't have to because this is. I exists. know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. It's already been done. So Grizzly Man is the oh. um, quite sad story, actually, of Timothy Treadwell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who is a kind of a weirdo. Actually, he's not kind of a weirdo. He's a total weirdo. He moves to the beat of his own drum. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. He goes to Alaska to some national park that I can't pronounce for the summers, and he lives with the bears because he right. is very um, outspoken about the fact that the bears need him.
0: They need to survive him desperately in order to save uh-huh. them from man. Yeah. Who is so he? N- yeah. He he not at all, all these, trying he to. He makes
1: get all these claims, like you know, he's yeah. gained the trust of all the bears, and he he names them all, and he names them such odd names. That's part of the most. That's one of the most entertaining things. Um, <laughs> And it's all, the whole documentary is like his own video. Right. Like he'll set up his camera and then he'll, you know, run run back to the shot.
0: It's like Survivor Man. He, he just videos himself all the time. Yeah. Because he's alone. Um, for the most part, he's alone on the islands. It's correct. an island. But is it Right, island? isn't it? I think it is. Yeah,
1: there's lots of peninsulas and stuff there. I don't know. Yeah, this is I don't know. This delving into not. geography. We shouldn't go there. Right. <laughs> it's a challenge um, for me. So anyway, the tragic part of this is that he... Dies In 2003, um, he, he has his girlfriend there, Amy Huguenard Remember Sweet mm. Amy?
0: Yeah. And well, she, not much because they barely show her because he, even when he had people with him, would pretend that he was alone. So he never let them be in his film. Right. Yeah, that's true. And she, the sad thing about Amy is she's like clearly does not want to be there.
1: Like she no. doesn't like the bears. She doesn't like getting as close to the bears as crazy Timothy Treadwell likes to do. Um <laughs> She's and very anyway, uncomfortable. They, they both end up losing their lives to a grizzly bear attack, and they have it like he must have been setting up a shot because they have audio of it, but not video because the lens right. cap was on. I and they actually they don't part. play, which I'm grateful for. They don't play the yeah. audio on the documentary, but so you might be wondering why I'm obsessed with a tragic <laughs> documentary like this, and it's because the characters in oh this movie are so who's your favorite? Do you remember? It's been a well while since you've watched
0: it. I think my favorite is, well, I watched part of it the other day in prep, but um, I think my favorite is the ex-girlfriend, Jewel. <laughs> That's her name. <laughs> Who Why do you love Jewel? has basically taken on the role of his survivor. Right. And Even though was like, a, sh- they casually dated, I think. Yeah, it seemed like it, but the thing that really, the biggest question mark for me in this whole documentary is how does he keep getting these women to invest in him so much? Like he's so strange and there's one part where they actually talk about um, that he possibly was questioning his own sexuality mm-hmm. and so I'm like, what about him was so attractive to these women I don't know. that they were willing to go live in this and especially Amy because she was so uncomfortable. I don't know. It was so weird but... The woman, Jewel, is, like, so upset about his dying, which, of course, that's not weird, but, like... But she doesn't seem actually upset. She seems like she's milking it. Well, maybe, yeah. Remember that scene? There's one scene where the documentarian, which apparently... I don't remember... Do you remember what his name is? I don't remember what his name is, but... Oh, Pete's gonna be bummed. Um, I know, because he's a well-known... He's a very well-known documentarian, And, and his accent is just fantastic. Oh my gosh, it's movie. amazing. It's amazing. And he narrates most of the documentary. Um, he There's a scene between him and Jewel where he's interviewing her and there's this awkward, awkward moment of sense. Oh no, wait, is it? No, it's between her and that watch guy. Okay, who I, let me just interject.
1: I was going to say who my favorite character in this is. Oh. It's that guy who is actually the coroner. <laughs> right, right. Oh, <laughs> My God! Like, oh. if you don't want to watch a whole documentary, just fast forward yes. to, to this scene.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, it's so awkward because there's this like very awkward moment that they don't really have anything else to say to each other, and they just sit there, kind of staring at each other. Mm-hmm. As he's, he had, he's just given her um, Tim's watch that was uh-huh. found, and on it's the still scene. ticking. And yeah, and like, so they're very emotional. Just, they're trying the to make it this like super like meaningful moment, but it's so forced and so awkward. And then they just stare at each other for a good 30 seconds. And why they didn't edit that out, I have no clue. It's so bizarre and so uncomfortable. It's just weird. But
1: but so amazing at the same but time. But so amazing and so entertaining. So I mean there's lots of there's I mean we could go into I mean every every yeah. um scene that has jewel in it is the best. So
0: if you watch it Keep o- keep an eye out for her, for sure. And then we would definitely be re- be remiss if we didn't mention <laughs> the theme song.
1: <gasps> oh yeah, I know. I had it in my head when I was making my ooh, notes.
0: Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: <laughs> it's so bad. It'll get stuck in your head. I don't know. We're not really we're not really selling this documentary right now. But you have, if you, I would feel sold if, if you enjoy Christopher Guest. I feel like you need to watch this documentary. Yeah, if you enjoy like a spoofy documentary, yeah. If you love Best in Show, then watch Grizzly Man.
1: But know that it's real. Right, right. And and listen to the very end so you can hear the theme song that we just sort of thing for you. Okay, for sure. Grizzly Man,
0: two thumbs up. Okay, my first one is an ESPN documentary. There's a series on ESPN called 30 for 30 and they're all done by like different filmmakers. But this one is, from season one it's called 30 for 30 June 17th 1994 and um oh I was gonna say where can people watch Grizzly Man we should say where they can watch it where can people watch uh, Grizzly Man? I, it's on Amazon Prime okay um so 30 for 30 also is on Amazon Prime but turns out it's also on Hulu so if you have a subscription to Hulu I know <laughs> well see I okay we won't get into that but yeah you know. yeah I only today noticed that, so I actually bought it on Amazon Prime. Although, wait, 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 let me interject because I saw that yeah. too. I saw that it,
1: when I googled it, it said I could watch it on Hulu.
0: You probably have to have Hulu Live. Oh, Hulu Live, yeah, because
1: they didn't have that yeah. season.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, it, 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 I could watch it on Hulu. I, I checked yeah, this morning. So if you have Hulu Live, you can watch it on Hulu. Otherwise, you have to pay um, a dollar ninety nine on Amazon Prime to watch it. But it's so it's it, you know dollar ninety nine or you can pay $4 when you buy the wrong episode first and then have to buy the correct episode. But By the way, I got a text from Pete. He's yeah. like, who's who's purchasing 30 for 30? Like
1: who's watching ESPN documentaries? Oh. He was so baffled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he didn't believe it. Yeah. it was us. Yeah. Well, so if you, if you are getting it on Amazon Prime, it's season one, episode 26 on Amazon Prime. For some reason on Hulu, it's season one, episode 15. Don't know why, but- It's called June 17th, 1994. So I'm just, I I actually found the like description of it. So I'm just going to read that to you really quick. So it says, do you remember where you were on June 17th, 1994? Thanks to a wide array of unrelated coast-to-coast occurrences, this Friday has come to be known for its first, last triumphs and tragedy. Arnold Palmer played his last round at a U.S. Open in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. The FIFA World Cup kicked off in Chicago. The Rangers celebrated on Broadway Patrick Ewing desperately pursued a long-evasive championship in the Garden, and Donald Fair stared down the baseball owners. And yet, all of that was a prelude to O.J. Simpson leading America on a slow-speed chase in a white Ford Bronco around Los Angeles. Oscar-nominated and Peabody Award-winning director Brett Morgan will artistically weave these moments and others to create a unique and reflective look at a day that no sports fan could forget
1: let me just interject here. I do think it was a very well done documentary yeah. because there's no narration. It's all yeah, that's what I was gonna say. news clips.
0: That's my favorite thing about it is that yeah. there's no talking heads. And I actually, if you, I don't, at the very beginning, they had a little clip with the director and he talked about how he didn't want to use any talking heads in it. So yeah, it's, the it's so cool how he tells the story without any talking heads and how he, just uses the cutting room floor Mm -hmm. excerpts from all the different broadcasts. And you even hear like the behind the scenes in the helicopters that were flying overhead on the Broncos. Um, So it's so, so well done. I love how he moves it all together. I loved all the
1: uncut, like the, the stuff of Bob Costas.
0: Yeah, me too. That like was my favorite part. Like when
1: he was like, he was so confused about like what he should do because he's yeah. he, he was which which event was he at? I think he, he was at the, at the basketball. He was at the basketball
0: game. Yeah, he was at the um the Knicks. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it was it, it was he so was clearly in,
1: torn. Like, what do I focus
0: on? Yeah, how do we talk about it, this basketball game? I just think game? it's first of all. So incredibly fascinating that all those things happened on one day. Like, those are incredible sports events. I did this, doesn't, ex- I mean, this list that I read, it's like, okay, what's that now? But it was like Arnold Palmer was playing his last round of golf. That's a huge deal. And then the Rangers, which is the New York hockey team, had won the Stanley Cup for the first, first time. and only time in like mm-hmm. forever. Like, apparently, they still have not won it. They're having their parade. And they were right? having their ticker tape parade on Broadway in New York, and then the yeah the um, World Cup was kicking off in Chicago, which I think it was the first time that it was the World Cup was happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. And Oprah was like opening the ceremony, and mm-hmm. then the uh, bas- yeah, the basketball game was like the end of the season for the Knicks, and uh, it was just like so many crazy things happening all in this one day. And it then, was kind of unthoughtful of OJ. I mean, is he a thoughtful person? No is the answer, but I just love this because for us, we were in high school when this happened. Yeah, and was so kind of I remember it so vividly. Year.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And we, he actually drove in the Bronco all the way down Orange County. So they were down just a couple exits up from our house. Um, they came that far down here. So he
1: headed South until he realized he wanted to go
0: back North right. and kill himself
1: at the home he shared with Nicole. Right which I did. I I did Spoiler. feel nostalgic watching it because I mean, like yeah. you said, Oprah's on there, mm-hmm. you know, Clinton's on there. They're talking mm-hmm. about white Reebok tennis shoes, mm-hmm. totally. all of it. I was like, oh. Yeah.
0: Well, even like I mean, the newscasters that they show, because I, that's, you know, I grew up in totally. Orange County. So the LA, local LA newscasters are my, where the people I grew up watching. And so even like the people, it was just very, yeah, it was very nostalgic. But so so fascinating. And I just love that take on it because I've watched every O. J. Simpson documentary. Yeah, me too. I've listened to the podcast. I've done it all. But this was such a different take on it. And I just thought it, it's fascinating. And it's it's not long. It's I think it's less than an hour long. And so anyway, that's that's a fun one. I loved it too. And and it was a good it was a good uh addition
1: to the repertoire of OJ Simpson documentaries I have watched. Totally. Yeah. Emmy told me about this one just a couple weeks ago when we were Trying to figure out what to, which ones we want to talk about on this episode, and I hadn't seen this one. Number three is the Queen of Versailles. I'm like, I'm this has been out since 2012. I I'm know, kind of and sad that it's 2020. I don't feel like it got nearly I'm just the recognition that it
0: should have. I only happened to come across it one time, and I had never heard anyone talking about it. But there is a true crime obsessed. I think, I think there's a true. It must be on their Patreon feed though, oh, but there has uh, they to be. do, and we an ep- it's hilarious. But yeah, yeah, it's
1: good. So this this documentary is about um, David and Jackie Siegel, who. Let me just interject yes. here that there is a thirty year age difference between them. Oh no, she's older than that. I think right. She's she's like early forties. Oh, she is. No, she is no. At this time, oh, she wow. was like I think she was like forty two because I remember oh, thinking, "All right, Ooh, I'm like the same age as her." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so David Siegel mm-hmm. is the owner, yes. I guess, of Westgate Resorts, which is like the largest timeshare company in mm-hmm. the world. So he's filthy rich, right? Um, well, he was filthy rich, and because he's filthy rich, they were built. They were in the process. the The, the documentary is about. Them building- um, Largest. The largest? In America. I read there was one in North Carolina that was But that's not a private residence anymore. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. The largest house in the world. They live in Orlando. And um, the reason it's called the Queen of Versailles is because it's about,
0: or because the house, they were modeling it after- Versailles. Right. Because they had been there and loved it so much so they decided they needed to build it here. Right. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so it's valued, like it was valued at over a hundred million dollars. Um, it's insane. They do, they do some cool shots inside the crazy house, but like they're all, it's all like concrete walls still. Like they haven't, they haven't finished it out or anything, but like there's ballrooms. Isn't it like 90,000 square feet? Something obscene like that. Yeah. There's like ballroom. yeah, there's like 90, multiple 000. ballrooms yeah. with like the ornate stair. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, there's like nine kitchens or something like that. Yeah. Nine kitchens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A bowling alley. Oh, and then
1: remember they had that, like, that window where they could, they had purposely built this window so that when you looked out it, you could see the Disney fireworks every night. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was crazy. But anyway, so then um,
0: 2008 hits and the recession. But they started the documentary just about them building this house. Like, that's what, when they originally started filming the documentary, that's what it was supposed right. to be. Right. And
1: about. they're totally like, I mean, they're just, kind of like arrogant rich people like I, the interviewer asked yeah David Siegel but at one point she's like why are you building such
0: an elaborate house and he's like why am i
1: building this house because i
0: can yeah and they talk about like there are dozens of servants that live with them and oh, they have a billion kids i was just kids. gonna say we failed to mention i think they have eight <laughs> children yeah um yeah. that are little
1: like he's this old guy with these yeah they're pretty kids. young and she says at one point,
0: like, "Oh, well, we'll get to that." Sorry, go ahead. So,
1: anyway, so 2008 hits, and the re- they they take a huge hit with the recession
0: huge. because
1: people are not are no longer wanting to buy in on a timeshare. They're selling, trying to sell off their right. timeshares, um, and they go mm-hmm. like they go pretty much belly up, right? So they have to
0: lay off like most of their company. Yeah. So
1: like the second half of the documentary is them
0: like yeah. lamenting that you know, they have no money. Well, and they're trying to sell the house, but no one will buy it. And the people are offering them like way, way less than they think it's worth. And they're
1: like fighting all the time because she can't stop spending money, even though they have none. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's so annoyed with her. And they, but the thing, they end up like having to lay off all of their staff except for like two housekeepers and nannies. And she says at one point something about like, I well, never would have kept having kids if I knew I wasn't going to have nannies. Right. Like she <laughs> makes some comment about how, like, well, I had nannies, so I just kept having kids because right. it was so easy, yeah. right? When you like, got oh, and an then army in the, of end nannies, the poor nannies, nanny, you have an army of children. The poor nanny who talks about how she just all she does with her life is send her money back to her family. And she's and living in the playhouse that they like. <laughs> she lives in the playhouse in the end, <laughs> but she's happy.
1: That nanny, she seemed. <laughs> right. I don't know if well she anyway. Really I is I was happy. intrigued. I didn't hate. Jackie, like, I feel like she was trying no, to be me pretty, like, pretty positive about the whole thing. Like she was kind of trying to ride the wave and obviously she was hopeful well, that it would get we better. I should say,
0: she came from like a really poor background. Mm-hmm. Like she was a very, very low income, like they, you know, she grew up in like trailers. And so, and I forget how they met. Do you remember how they met? He was involved in the pageant circuit. Oh, that's and right. She was, that's right. Yeah. And she was one of the contestants. That's right. But- Anyway, so he basically had brought her out of this like trashy mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. and, but she still definitely had that like redneck in her. It's so <laughs> and, intriguing. So she's a little endearing because she's like pretty down to earth, even though, which is hard to say when you see like how they're right. living, but she actually was pretty down to earth. She really was. She didn't really take herself that
1: seriously. I, like, I kind of remember the time
0: her. where they go through the drive. They're in their limo going to get their kids' hair done because they're having this yep. pageant party at their house, mm-hmm. and she like swings through McDonald's drive-through for the like, whole salon. In yeah, <laughs> in her limo, and gets like dozens and dozens of chicken nuggets to give to the <laughs> salon awesome. people. Well, it's a good yeah, watch. Anyway.
1: Um, I highly recommend it. I'll probably watch it again. Yeah,
0: it's really and and. I mean, if we ever do a full episode on it, we can go into more detail, but they there is a happy ending, which is they do get to keep their house. Mm-hmm. They get to keep Versailles. But we Googled it and they are still in the process of
1: finishing it. It's not done. Eight years later, it's not done.
0: Oh man, that's so crazy. So yeah.
1: All right. Well, good recommendation, Emmy. Thank you.
0: Okay. Number four is also on Netflix. Oh, wait. Queen of Versailles on Netflix, right? I think. Ooh, shoot, I'm sorry. I don't remember. Can we Google it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. You can Google it while I'm starting to talk about this. But I'm pretty sure it is. Um, oh, we should say, if you don't know how to find any of these, or if you don't have like Netflix or Hulu or whatever, if you just Google the name of the documentary, and sometimes you have to put the word documentary after it, Um, it'll pop up at the top of your Google page. Mm-hmm. It'll pop up. Where you can watch it. Um. Yeah, some information. And there's a little link that says watch movie. And if you click on that, it'll tell you all the places you can watch it. And usually, worst case scenario, you can buy it on YouTube for like a dollar ninety nine. Yeah, and but, this is,
1: a, I just Googled um, it. This one's actually free on YouTube,
0: which made it feel even trashier. Oh, wow, that does. I think it used to be on Netflix. I think that's where I saw it. But number four documentary is Sour Grapes. And this one is on Netflix, so you can watch it there. Um so the Netflix description is a dizzying a dizzying chronicle of excess and deception, dissects, a fascinating case of fine wine fraud, and the con man who cheated investors out of millions. This is a very different take on a true crime documentary, but it's basically about this guy. His name is Rudy Kerniwan, Kurnywan. I don't know. How oh, how yeah, it's a tough it, one. Yeah, Kerniwan, I think it Rudy is. Rudy K. Rudy K. And Rudy is an Indonesian man that came to the. He's in his like twenties. But doesn't he say he's, he's Chinese? United's, well, he's of Chinese descent. Thank you. But he, okay. his family, like they end up tracing that back in the documentary, and his dad's side is Chinese, I think, and his mom's side. Okay. I'll tell you but more about them in a second. Indonesia. But okay, yeah, he's from. And so he came to the United States on a student visa to go to Cal State Northridge. <laughs> Ooh. which for those of you that don't live in California, Cal State Northridge is not like a school you would come from China to come or like from Indonesia. It's not like an uh, international destination no. school. No, I mean, the Cal State school is a great system, but it's not like the location you would really want to be like, I'm going to come go to California. Well, and hey, to listen, Cal- to be okay. fair, if we were applying at schools in Indonesia, maybe maybe we, you know, we wouldn't be in the know either. Fair enough. Okay, so anyway, he that's how he came to the United States was on a student visa. Turns out that he actually was at this point um, in the United States illegally because his student visa had expired and he was not supposed to be here. Um, when was it? So like, he, do you remember? It was in two thousand. It's older. Eight. It was. Oh yeah, it's older. Two thousand six was when the auction happened. Okay. So he he ends up becoming like moving himself up in the in the world of fine wine mm-hmm. and um
1: which was a world becomes, i knew nothing about like i didn't know these factions yeah.
0: existed yeah i thought it was really i actually think that's one of the most interesting parts of this documentary Me is too. seeing that because it was not i don't know if it's just this particular group of people but they're not like the highbrow um upper middle class caucasian Americans that you mm. expect in this world. They were kind of a hodgepodge. And I would say there was quite a bit of new money in this group mm-hmm. of people. And so they're just like these people who don't know what to do with their money. So they're spending it on wine. And- right. Like there's one guy they interviewed that's a friend of his that's a filmmaker and he's such, he's so obnoxious. He wears his sunglasses the entire time there, which is such a pet peeve of mine. And he's like, he just doesn't, like, he's not a person that takes care of his appearance and he's just like. He looks like a really ragged Jack Nicholson. Yes. Like really ragged. Yeah. Yes. That's a good description. And he looks like he also probably hasn't slept much (sighs) and just has been drinking wine for weeks on end. Um (laughs) But anyway, so he, Liver
1: problems will do that too, yeah.
0: He, yeah, he like moves up in this world of the wine connoisseurs and he starts buying and selling fine wines. And eventually he he is selling himself as this rich Indonesian who lives on a million dollar a month allowance from his family back in Indonesia.
1: And he just and, appears
0: out of nowhere. And
1: and yeah. people, it, it just surprised me that people weren't like, who who is this guy? I know, and he's no in his 20s. Him. Right. He's in
0: his 20s. And so he ends up like buying and selling all this wine and he sells like all this wine at this auction house in, I think it was in New York. It's called Ackermarill and Condé. And it's this kind of small wine store that ends up because of him basically becoming the like number one auction house in America for and because they have these two auctions where they sell $35 million worth of wine of his from his collection. And it turns out that, they th- that they some people start to think that the, the, wi- the wine is fake, and so there's this um French winemaker who gets the catalog for the auction. He's from Burgundy, he's from Burgundy, and he sees some of his wines in this catalog for the auction. And um, it turns out they're like wines that have vintages that they, they never made, like, there's a one certain kind of wine that they didn't start making it until the '80s, and yet there's like a come bottle of the K. '60s. I mean, I know seriously. If you're gonna fake wine, don't you at least check to make sure that wine was actually made? It's so <laughs> weird. I kept thinking about that too because there were when they eventually raid his apartment or house. Oh or whatever, my gosh, wasn't that crazy? They find all these labels, and most of them are not even right. And I'm like, really? Like, if you're gonna do it, at like least there were do it misspellings, yeah, right. of like vineyards, yeah. and. It was pretty atrocious, his attention to detail. It's embarrassing. And I'm sure it just goes to the fact that he was getting away with with it so easily. And so Mm -hmm. he was just getting lazy about it. But anyway, they end up finding out that he has been like concocting all these wines and then selling them. as. And one of the characters is um, Bill Coke, who is one of the famous Koch brother, billionaire Coke brothers. They're these billionaire businessmen. And um, he ends up finding like $4 million worth of, Fraudulent wine in his cellar. And so he goes on this quest to like take down. Oh, he had like,
1: he had like millions of, bo- like, not millions. What he had four he had? million. I was astounded.
0: Oh, it about the bottles that he had that were like from Thomas Jefferson, like he had one from Thomas Jefferson, yes. I think. Yeah. That was
1: fascinating. Yeah. From like
0: the 1700s. Yeah. But, but he, he was, he was kind of bummed, but <laughs> he wasn't all that upset. I mean, was, I was thinking when you're that change. rich. Chump changed his four million dollars. But right. yeah, it's just really interesting. I think the most interesting part of it is that it just like, it shows this side of the, um, I don't know. I I just found it fascinating that like, if he was able to do that and get away with it, and even like some like wine critics didn't catch that these were fake bottles. And yeah, I was fascinated by the fact that, I mean, they didn't know it after tasting it. Right, so that's he, what I'm saying. he
1: was able to like, recreate the the general
0: feel which of begs some of the question really expensive wine how valuable is the really expensive wine if you can recreate it and fool even a critic like I was picturing him I was picturing him like
1: with the Franzia like box <laughs> wine <laughs> in his apartment <laughs> and like a whisk oh my gosh yeah what was it's he interesting doing? what was he mixing like was
0: he mixing like Mid-range one? Yeah, that's what they said, basically. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Carl Rossi? They did say, like, um, at the end of the—when they were raiding—because I was—they show at the end them, like, destroying a bunch of wine and the FBI— and mm-hmm. I was like... Just throwing it in a dumpster. Why did they destroy that? Like if it was so I know, good I was like, that it I would take people, it. why didn't they auction it off? It could have been like valuable as like a souvenir kind of thing, you know? But t- I had
1: the same thought. Yeah. If they literally throw it into a dumpster and then they show... I mean, obviously, the glass is breaking yeah. as they throw it into the dumpster. And it's leaking. It's like seeping out from the dumpster. Yeah, but I did
0: find out. I did find some interesting information on that. They said that he had, at the time of his arrest, because he was arrested in 2012, he's currently in jail. He was storing more than 6,000 bottles in commercial warehouses and they went through them painstakingly to figure out which ones were real because there were some real ones. So the real ones did get auctioned off, but how did they determine that? I guess,
1: well, they... They hired. There were a team. all those experts
0: that look at cork and label and yeah, but they the glass. ended up selling them off for one point five million dollars, which I guess that paid for the investigation. But anyway, it's interesting. And the documentary. It's a very interesting look into that world, and um, it, it really was. I felt and, like and it wasn't it interesting that they said. I mean, they gave a number, but I forget it. of how Potentially, how many bottles of his are yeah. still in people's collections? Yeah. Well, and they and they talked. They talked about how. Um, a lot of people were unwilling to testify against him because they were embarrassed because they didn't want to admit that they had been fooled by his wine. So anyway, it's interesting. It's a good it's just a good like if you are a like real person like Mago and I are, <laughs> it's an interesting way to just kind of break down those barriers like where you're like, Oh, they're not that special, those rich people. Well, they don't even open know. Open up a bottle of
1: open up a bottle of mid-range wine yes. and yes, watch it. Totally it's good. Totally. Number five is The Staircase. And before, mm. I know you're all thinking. We've heard of it. What We've seen The Staircase. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have seen The Staircase. That was on Netflix for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Probably still is. But this is. is, I discovered this. It's um, an American murder mystery, colon, The Staircase. And it's on investigationdiscovery.com. That's where mm-hmm. I watched it. You can watch the episodes. So I loved The Staircase because- I love the original staircase because yeah. I really I really don't know what I think. Yeah, about Michael Peterson. I don't I don't know. I have mixed. Sometimes I watch it and I think, "Oh my gosh, he's so guilty." And then other times I think that um he's not. But anyway, obviously the original staircase is it's loaded on his side like
0: it yeah, makes it's basically you made think that he's innocent in collaboration with his defense team. Right? And just so it's pretty one sided.
1: If you don't know what the original staircase is about, it's about a novelist, Michael Peterson, who lives in North Carolina. This was in 2001. And his wife, um, they'd only been married four years. It was um, second marriages for both of them. But um, she is found at the bottom of the staircase in their home, their Forest Hills mansion. he finds
0: her at the bottom of the staircase. He
1: finds her. They have the nine one one call. It's all oh, it's all so interesting. But um he claims that she fell, she'd had too much to drink, and she's fallen down the stairs. Um, but really they think he bludgeoned her to death because the, right. this case is really all about the um the blood spatter, if you will. Oh gosh, yes it is. So Yes it is. There's not really anything Extra, I
0: don't think, from this one, although it's just oh, obviously I less biased. Well, I think, no, I disagree because I think, first of all, it is much more from the point of view of the other side. Yeah, I wasn't him, They yeah. interview her sister a lot, and she didn't have a voice in the first documentary She's at angry. all. She's angry. She's just she was the, angry. She was the villain in the first documentary, really, in the yeah. um, Netflix one. But this one, they tell her story more. And But I think they introduce... Uh, a lot of evidence in this one that they had not introduced Mm -hmm. in the Netflix series that you're like, um, that's a big point Mm -hmm. that they didn't, they failed to mention at all. Like things like there was like blood found on his desk on the papers that were like the emails that had been printed out with his. Yes, His whole story was that he had just gotten, he, one of his novels,
1: w- there was a possibility of it becoming a movie. So they were celebrating that and they were sitting outside in December. I don't know. Is it cold in North Carolina in December? I mean, it's not. It was, he, They I think they said it was
0: like in the 60s. Okay, whatever. So not They're sitting cold, by the pool.
1: And according to him, they opened up a nice bottle of wine. Hopefully it was an authentic bottle. Right. Um, <laughs> to celebrate. And he, he said they both had a lot of wine. And then um, she went in. It was so late though. It was like 1 a.m., I mean, like the police were out at 2 a.m. But anyway, when they get there, they notice that there are two wine glasses on the counter, but only one of mm. them had wine in it. The other one was completely like dry. It had never, they tested it. It had never had wine in it that night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was blood. There was a drop of blood on the cabinet where the wine glasses were kept.
0: Mm.
1: And then they talked about how there was a, um. there's like a drop of her
0: blood on the porch. I don't know. Yeah. If, Outside it's, on the on the front porch on the front uh-huh. porch like yeah yeah it's all interesting it, and it, there was I, stuff I, with his clothes remember there was stuff with his yeah I think yeah. This, I, the thing I liked about this one is that I felt like number one it introduced some interesting other evidence and showed a little more the other side but it was more concise yeah the <laughs> third is pretty long yeah yeah, yeah. but um, yeah I don't know I'm I. I I, I, after watching this one and after listening to the True Crime Obsessed episode on episodes, they did multiple episodes on The Staircase, um, I I lean more towards that he was guilty. But he was guilty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I just think, I think the f- the first documentary just has a feel of such a bias. And yeah, you're supposed sure. to leave feeling like questioning if he's guilty, but, you know, he was convicted by a jury
0: and then peeled well, the and- heck out of it. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, I don't know. The thing that, the thing that I was always holding my hat on with the first one was that the kids stood by him, but I think, I don't know. I, the thing that shocked me in this new one, in the ID w- series is that they'd only been married four years. I don't think they said that. Maybe they did. Maybe they said it in the original, but I didn't remember that fact, but four did. years. Yeah. Only four years. That was injuring, interesting. Anyways. That's, well, I mean, it's a good take on a- that story.
1: Yes, and we might have to do a full episode on it because we haven't even discussed the owl theory.
0: Yeah, I think we should. I think let's let's just tell our listeners, our, our dozens of listeners, <laughs> our tens of listeners, you need to watch this watch the series. If you haven't watched the original Staircase, I I think they should watch the original. I mean, I don't know if it's I don't know which one came first, but the Netflix Staircase series I would watch first. Mhm. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and then it's watch longer. The- yeah. Yeah, and then watch the ID one. And if you're willing to put the time in to watch those, then maybe Mago and I will do a, an overview of the whole thing because it is a very, there's so many twists and turns with this story. And mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about Patty. And Oh gosh. So yeah. Okay, okay that's it, it. We're
1: going to do a full episode
0: on this. So okay. catch up, catch up, people. Catch up. All right, well, that's it. Those are our five documentaries that hopefully you hadn't heard of. And now you're super excited because you have five new fun things to watch. Yeah. So hopefully you're like, hurry up and stop talking so I can go watch these. <sighs> All right. Sounds good. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Be sure to subscribe
1: on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. And while you're over there, please give us a five star review. Also, give us a follow over on Instagram. We are at Five Things Podcast. That's the number five things podcast. If you have any topic suggestions, we would love to hear them. So send us a DM through Instagram and we'll try to get you on the show.
0: That's right. It all would not be possible without the help of Jeff and Taylor over at Goodyear Audio. You can find them on Instagram at good underscore ear underscore audio, and they can help you with all your podcast needs. We'll meet you back here next week.